1: So good to see all of you here worshiping today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take your, um, your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter five and then also take out your Bible study outlines. They're found here in the center of your bulletin, and that way you can follow along and take notes, and um, we begin a brand new series called Blessed, and what we're doing is, is we're actually studying through the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' most famous teaching, as you'll notice if your, you know, words are in red, Jesus' words in red, you'll notice chapter 5, 6, and 7, they're all in red, and that's what we'll be studying over the next couple of months, and this series is called Blessed. Now, what Jesus is doing in this series is Jesus is teaching us how to be blessed by God. Now, you need to understand that being blessed by God is different than maybe how the world perceives blessings. But you are blessed. I mean, the truth is, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Really? Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. How can that be? Uh, blessed are are you whenever you... Are, are, you know, needing mercy. I mean, the fact is, is that Christ is going to share with us how to truly be blessed by God, even when the circumstances of life don't seem much like a blessing. And so that's what we're studying in this series called Blessed. And, and those of you that are over at the Creekside service, so glad you're participating as well. We want you to follow along. We're glad you're part of this congregation. Listen, what we're doing is, is we understand something from Christ that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are blessed. In fact, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say, you are blessed. Do that right now. You are blessed. I mean, think about it. Just think about your life. You are breathing right now, right? You're blessed. Every day is a gift from the Lord. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift you have, whether it's your family whether it's your job, your health, whatever it may be, those are all gifts from God. Your faith, those are all gifts. You are blessed. Now, here's the deal. Why does God bless you? So you can just spend all those blessings on yourself? No. God calls us to be conduits of blessings. You are blessed to be a blessing to those around you. It's interesting, I've entered into a lot, hundreds of conversations with individuals about their faith. And most people that are born again, whenever you talk to them about their faith, they are anxious. They desire to share about their faith. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you about when I met Jesus Christ. But, you know, there's a lot of folks that you talk with, and they'll say something like this. Well, I believe that a person's faith is personal, and and they just need to keep it to themselves. And you go, really? Is that what you believe? Because the fact is, is that Jesus teaches just the opposite. Jesus said, if I've saved you, if I've changed you, if I've blessed you, then I want you to be a conduit of blessing. I want you to be able to share those blessings. And what Jesus does in the passage we're gonna look at today is he's gonna show us the influence that we have as Christians to be blessings to others. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn that we are both salt and light. And so look at this passage with me. It's found in Matthew chapter five, beginning of verse 13. Look what Jesus teaches. Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father who's in heaven. Now, I love the way Jesus teaches. He does not complicate things. He uses simple, down-to-earth kind of expressions. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to talk about salt, salt. And light and grass and flowers and birds. It's amazing. Jesus doesn't make this hard for us to understand. In fact, Jesus said the kingdom of God is so simple that even a child can enter into it. And so what we're going to do is today we're going to look at these two illustrations that Jesus uses of us. Followers of Jesus, what are we? We are both salt and light. And from this, we're going to discover the influence that we have as Christians. And so there's three things I want you to jot in your outline of who you are according to Jesus' teachings here. First is this. Jot this down. I want you to first understand the influence of a Christian. The influence of a Christian. You are salt, and that's packed with emphasis and and meaning. Look again at what he says, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. In your outline, circle the word salt there. Now, most of us, we understand what salt is, right? I mean, you know, you can open up your cupboard, and basically you can find all different kinds of salt. You, you got basically table salt, right? And, and you also have, okay, you got sea salt. A lot of people are using sea salt now. And then there's, um, there's kosher salt. That has no additives, and you know, it's completely kosher. Maybe you use kosher salt. And I've recently discovered that they say that this is supposed to be the best Himalaya pink salt, you know? And so we, we all all these different kinds of salts, now, we, we readily can, you know, salt's very available to us. It's one of the cheapest things you can buy in the store. It really is. But in Jesus' day, it wasn't. I mean, it was a big deal to get salt. Did you know that the beginning of the trade routes was to exchange salt? Did you know that there were battles and wars fought over salt? And that, that it was so valuable that the Roman soldiers actually, I mean, were paid by the Romans in salt. In fact, we get the word salary from the Latin word salt. It was that big of a deal. And you go, why was it such a big deal? Because of all of its uses. I mean, the Salt Institute says that salt, other than water, has more uses than any other thing on this planet. There's over 14,000 uses for salt, such as what? Okay, it adds taste to food. It can melt ice, create thirst. Salt is used to heal and sterilize wounds but the primary thing that salt was used for in the bible was a preservative i mean they didn't have refrigeration and so what they always had to do is anytime you you know butcher a cow or you know catch a fish if you didn't want it to immediately start rotting you would package it in salt and it had this you know they thought it was almost like a magical force to stop the decaying of things and so salt was a huge big deal And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? That means we live in a society that's decaying all around us. we got a society that is rotting, that is corrupt, that is spoiled, that, you know what, is filled with sin and selfishness. And the only thing that's going to keep this society from literally rotting from within is you being the Christian and the influence you're supposed to be and being salt. You have to be sought. You are the only answer to the decay and rotting of our society. I mean, we we'll readily point to everybody else, but the answer is us being solved. Now, I love the way that Pastor um, Tony Evans put it. He's so eloquent. He said this, if you want a better world, composed of better nations, inhabited by better states, filled with better counties, made up of better cities, comprised of better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches, populated by better families, then you have to start by becoming a better person. You, it all starts with you. You have to be the salt. We are the influence. If we want this world to be influenced toward Christ, it's you and I. We have to be salt, because we're in a rotting society, and we alone stop the decaying process. Now, I love the way that one um, lady put it. She was a stay-at-home mom, and um, her husband was a professor in a university, and so she always felt inferior whenever she would go to parties with him, and people would ask her, so what do you do for a living? And, and so, one day, she came up with this answer. And so, every time somebody would ask her, this is what she'd say. She'd say this, quote, I'm socializing two homo sapiens under the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition so that they can become agents of the transformation of the social order into the ecclesiastical utopia that God wills from the beginning of all creation. What do you do? Well, I'm just a lawyer, you know, okay. But I love that because what is she saying? She's saying, I'm influencing somebody's life eternally, and I'm changing society because of it. You know, her definition is our definition. We are the salt. You're the salt. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, let me give you one simple application. Jot this on your outline. Jot this on your outline. Action point number one, make friends with the lost. If you're gonna be salt, you gotta be willing to make friends with the lost. What does that mean? You gotta get outside the shaker. Can I tell you something? Salt does absolutely no good in the shaker. What is that? you got to sprinkle it over the food for it to make any difference. you got to rub it into the meat for it to make any difference. So many of us as Christians, we have learned to live our entire Christian existence in our holy huddles. And we have great fellowship, and it's awesome, and we're all together, and we're together as salt. But this is not how Christ has called us to be. Christ has not called us to have great religious, you know, events together. No, we are to build bridges. We are to have relationships. We aren't to compartmentalize our faith and say, okay, over here on Sundays I've got my faith and then I've got everything else. No, Jesus says take the salt of your faith and rub it into your workplace and your neighborhoods and your family events and everything you do and your sporting events. Take your faith everywhere. That's what we're called to be and christians throughout the centuries have done that do you know why our world isn't as bad as what it could be It's because christians have done this i mean think about it there are tens of thousands of orphanages and hospitals that have been founded in jesus name because they wanted to be salt do you know how many hospitals have been founded in the name of atheism Zero. Why? Because we are the salt of the earth. We're the ones who want to make a difference. And so you and I have to shine Jesus. We've got to be Jesus. We've got to be willing to get outside of our comfort zone and what? Get involved. Get involved in the PTA, in our neighborhoods, in our coworkers, and local government. Several years back, I recently read a story of um, an event that happened in Jackson, Mississippi, There was a scandal in their city council. Two of their council members was arrested for taking bribes from a strip club. They were doing this rezoning, and these two councilmen had taken bribes, and so they were arrested. Now, the the community of Jackson, Mississippi was up in arms. How in the world did this happen? How could this happen? How could these people do this? And, you know, they had actually a a city forum, and, and where they're all getting a town hall kind of meeting, and they're all talking about it. And I just kept, that same question just kept being as, who's really to fault here? Who's really to blame here? And this one gentleman stood up. This man right here, his name is John Perkins. He stood up. He's an author, teacher, community developer, national evangelical leader. He stood up, and he said, it's my fault. And everybody looked at him like, what? How can you say that? And he said this, quote, he said, I've lived in this community for decades as a Bible teacher, I have, should, should have been able to create an environment where what our council president did would have been unthinkable. You want somebody to blame? I'll take the blame. Do you see what he's saying? Was he really to blame? No. What he's saying is is we're a Christian community. If we're upset at the way our world is going, all you got to do is look in the mirror. I mean, we're the ones who are called to be salt, We're the ones who are to be the influencers. Our world is rotting around us, and only whenever we get outside of the shaker and say, you know what, I'm getting outside my comfort zone, and I'm gonna start rubbing in with people around me, that's the only way that we change our society. We are salt. We are the influence. That's the influence of a Christian. But there's a second thing Jesus shares with us, not only the influence of a Christian, jot this down. You also have the illumination of a Christian. The illumination of a Christian. We're salt, but we're also light. We're the light of the world. Look at it. Jesus says this in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. See, salt is this hidden influence, right? But light is this visible, revealing influence. We're salt, sort of behind the scenes, but we're also light. We're shining Jesus Christ. And whenever we shine the light, what happens? It removes the darkness. I mean, think about it. What is darkness? Darkness is just simply the absence of light. And so whenever you and I shine the light of Jesus Christ, darkness will naturally be pushed away. It's much like this. It's like we are a lighthouse. Um, Susan and I sometimes, when we travel and go on vacation, we'll look for old lighthouses. This picture right here happens to be, you know, St. Augustine, Florida. And, and you know, lighthouses—they were developed years ago, centuries ago, before any marine navigation, before there was any global positioning system. I mean, basically, sailors would have to use a compass and the stars. That's how they got around. And they would put these lighthouses out there for two reasons. One is to show the entrance to a safe harbor but also to show, hey, here's some dangerous rocks here. And so we are called to be the lighthouses. We're the ones who shine. We have a whole world around us that basically, you know, they're, they're lost in the dark seas of this life, and they need somebody to shine. No matter where you live, just shine. Maybe you live in the country, shine. Your neighborhood, shine. A, a community, an apartment, dorm, wherever it is, there's dark people all around you. All you have to do is just say, okay, I'm going to shine. I'm just going to allow myself to have Christ shine through me. See, here's the good news. You don't have to create your own light. That's great news. What? Yeah, no, it's not you who are shining. It's Jesus shining through you. Christ is the light, and all you got to do is get yourself connected in the right way with Christ, and he will shine through you. I love how Jesus says this. Check it out. Look at it. In John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus says this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, you may read that and go, now, wait a minute. Which is it? Jesus said, he's the light of the world. And then he says that I'm the light of the world. Which is it? Both. (laughs) Jesus is the light of the world, and you are the light of the world. You go, in what way? Well, I look at it like this. I look at it like Jesus is the sun, and we're sort of like the moon, right? I mean, think about it. On a full moon, we can go out there and we go, wow, the moon is really shining tonight, isn't it? But it's not really shining, is it? I mean, the moon is just a dead rock. All the moon can do is reflect. You're just a dead rock, okay? All you can do is reflect, And that's what it is. And what you got to do, the moon has to position itself, you know, whenever it's not blocked by the world, I mean, you, you can see a crescent moon or a new moon, but at certain times, whenever it's, you know, corresponding with the sun just perfectly, what happens? It becomes a full moon. And it's so bright that, you know, you can even see your shadow with moonlight, Well, that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. We position ourselves with Jesus Christ in such a way we make sure that we're staying connected with him. And what does he do? He shines through us. And his Holy Spirit fills us. And what happens? Suddenly, his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit begins to shine through us. That's what we're supposed to do. You just gotta position yourself so that Christ can shine through you. It reminds me of this story of this boy Who was in a church And in that church they had these beautiful stained glass windows With pictures of bible stories on it And one day the boy was Looking at the stained glass and said to his mom Mom who are these people In the glass And she goes well these are saints from the bible And she goes Do you know what a saint is And he thought about it for a little bit And he goes "Um, I guess a saint are people that Let the light shine through them That's exactly right that's who a saint is. That's who you are. You are somebody who lets the light of Jesus Christ shine through you. And so how do you do that? Well, I wanna give you one simple application of how you can shine. Ready? Jot this on your outline. Here's action point number two. Find a place of service. Find a place of service. You wanna shine for Jesus? Find a place where you can serve in the church. That's a very simple application. In fact, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody take this out. This is in your bulletin. Pull this out. It's called Pray in May. And we do this every year. But in May, we're just asking every one of you here to pray a simple prayer. It's very simple. For the next 21 days, just pray this same prayer every day. What is it? Here's the prayer. Father, please show me where you want me to serve in our church. That's it. Simple prayer. Father, Show me where you want me to serve in our church. And what you can do is there's little devotions every day and that kind of stuff, but just pray that simple prayer, and I believe God's going to talk to you. And you know what? There's going to be hundreds. We have hundreds of opportunities here. It, it may be in the nursery, it may be in the student ministry, it may be in Kids Quest with the children, maybe in a small group with children. It could be, you know what, in the choir or a greeter or a hostess or an usher or somebody's helping with a coffee team. I mean, we got hundreds of needs, hundreds of opportunities, and all we're asking for you to do is just pray, God, will you please show me where I'm supposed to serve in our church? You see, I have a dream. I believe it's God's dream, and that is that every member would find a place of service, I really believe we've got over 5,300 members in our church. Can you imagine what would happen if all 5,300 members prayed that prayer this next month and then actually started finding a place of service and serving the Lord somewhere? I'm telling you, we would be an unstoppable force. We would be exactly what Jesus said the church should be. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But can I tell you, that will never happen until we become the church we're called to be. We're going to decide, okay, God, where do you want me to serve? And then wherever he tells you, just step out in faith and shine in an area of service. I want you to hear a story of a couple in our church, Ed and Stephanie Graham. Through an accident that Stephanie had, they really developed a passion for serving the Lord at the church. I want you to hear their story. Check it out.
2: I've been in church all my life. Um, I've served. i played the piano um, for the choir since I was 15 years old. And uh, so I've always served. I've always been in church. Um, in 2013, I had a, a really bad bicycle accident, and I broke every bone basically in my face. And I couldn't go to church, and I couldn't serve. And I missed that service so much, and I missed... Um, I miss being there and being able to do things for the Lord. Um, And it was a really, really dark time in my life, the darkest year of my life. And I promised the Lord that when I got through that, that with his help, that I would serve him and I would serve him with my whole heart and I would serve him passionately. Um, We've only been at Silverdale a couple of years, but he has taken that and just expanded it beyond what I ever thought and he's provided so many more opportunities for me to be able to serve beyond what I was doing before and um, yeah you know, I live with pain daily but I promised him that I would serve him and so I can't and I won't let that stop me
3: I've been in church or at least part of church all of my life uh, in my younger years I was an altar boy although I was in church I. Wasn't a participant in church. Um, I was a, a, PA. I was a pew anchor. Um, I just sat there and listened. I didn't do anything. <laughs> and then when Stephanie had her accident, I had a real. I realized that I had to step up and be the spiritual leader of the house. And part of that is being active in church. And since we've been at Silverdale, I've had so many opportunities to serve. I'm part of the. Media team. Um, I help Stephanie uh, set up her Bible study on Wednesday night. I work security while she's teaching. I help her break it down. Um, I work parking when I can. Um, even it, it seems like a little thing, but just helping the ladies carry up the coffee and setting up the coffee bar. I can, you know, that's that service, and it's just been a blessing.
2: And um, service teaches me so much. It it. It makes my relationship with the Lord deeper. It brings great joy to be able to love on people and show people the love of Jesus. Everything that we do to serve him is showing his love to others, whether it's the coffee bar or whether it's the worship team or greeting people when they come in or teaching Bible study, whatever it is, we are to show the love of Christ to others and it brings great joy to do that.
3: For me, I was a PA. I was a pew anchor. It took a a tragedy in in our lives for me to find a way to serve. I encourage you to pray through the month of May and see where God has you to serve. It'll be a blessing.
1: Isn't that awesome? You know, what's amazing is is that Stephanie still lives constantly every day in pain. And yet she's determined, I'm not going to keep that from... Keep me from serving the Lord. And I learned a new phrase from Ed there, a PA. I'd never heard of that, a pew anchor, right? Don't want to be a pew anchor. Okay, God, I want to be a servant. I want to find a place of service. If you're going to shine the light, the first application is pray. Ask God for a place of service. But there's a second thing. We've seen this. We've seen, okay, the influence of Christian. We've seen the illumination of Christian. There's a third thing that Jesus tells us, and it's this. Put it on your outline. The impact of a Christian. You as a Christian can make an impact. You and your life can literally affect eternity. Your life lived correctly can impact those around you. Check it out. Look at how Jesus puts this. I love this. Verse 16 says this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? And give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Circle good works there. Jesus said, you know what? If you really want to shine, Jesus then demonstrate it through good works. That's how you shine Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting to me is what Jesus did not say. Jesus didn't say, let your modesty shine so that everybody will see how moral you are. Or or, let your Bible knowledge shine so everybody knows how much Bible you know. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with morality. There's nothing wrong with Bible knowledge. They're they're very important. But Jesus says, let your good deeds shine. Why? Why? Because we live in a lost world. We live in an irreligious world who look at us, how? As a bunch of narrow-minded bigots. That's how the world sees us. And the only thing that's going to change their thinking about Jesus Christ is whenever they see us doing good deeds. That's it. I mean, that alone changes the mind of a lost world and starts considering the claims of Jesus Christ when they see us actually doing good deeds to other people. That's it. That's why we've asked every one of our small groups to be active and find community things, things to do in our community, doing acts of love that our world can see. Oh, this church is really about the community and loving people around you. Now, why is this so important? Because we live in a fast-paced society, and everybody is on the run, and everybody's busy, and everybody's got a hectic lifestyle, and so most of our society has developed this philosophy every man for himself. That's the philosophy of our world. And yet whenever you stop and you take the time and you give a little bit of your time and your attention and your love to somebody, you know what happens? That stops a watching world in their tracks. And they begin to wonder, why? Why in the world would you sacrifice some of your time for me? Why in the world would you look out for my needs and interests before your own. How, what is it about that? And whenever we live that way, I'm telling you, that's when people start considering Jesus Christ. See, we want to share the good news of Jesus. First, start by being the good news of Jesus. Help them see your good works. And it doesn't have to be big. It be something very simple. Simple act of kindness. I read a story about a man named Mark. And uh, Mark was buying a bouquet of flowers for his wife, Heidi. And while he's waiting in line at the grocery store, you can tell really high dollar, you know, flowers there, but in the grocery store, um, basically in front of him was this elderly lady. And she goes, oh, I remember when my husband used to bring me flowers as well. And she sort of teared up. And she goes, it's been 15 years and I just miss him so much. And Mark was just so moved by her and her loss. And he tried to encourage her. And then she checked out, and as he was checking out, this thought came to his mind. Go take these flowers and give it to her. And so he quickly, you know, checked out, and he rushed out in the parking lot, and he found her, she was still walking across the parking lot, and he rushes over to her, a little, you know, embarrassment and excitement at the same time, and he goes and he says, "Um, your, your husband's not here to give you flowers anymore. Here, I want you to have these flowers. And she was touched, and she goes, Why? And he said, you know, I really feel like God spoke to my heart that he wanted me to give you these flowers because it was God's way of just saying to you, God sees you, he knows you, he knows what you're walking through and you're not alone. And that little simple act of kindness just motivated her, changed her, made her day. That's what I'm talking about. That is a simple act of kindness. That's shining the light that the world may see your good deeds. And so what does this look like? Here's the final application point. Jot this on your outline. Do acts of kindness to others. You just simply do acts of kindness to others. And whenever you do a simple sacrifice, you know what happens? It begins to help people see the sacrifice of Christ. Christ has sacrificed so much for us and our little sacrifices of love toward others suddenly point people to Christ. I could give you hundreds of examples of what this may look like in your neighborhood. You may go to a neighbor and say, hey, if you ever need me to you know, watch your pets when you're gone, I'll be glad to do that. Or maybe you're cutting your grass and you say, hey, I'm cutting my grass, want me to cut your lawn too? Or they're working in their yard and you go over and say, can I help you? Or or maybe you've got a garden and you can take some of your produce and give it to them. Or you're washing your car and you say, hey, i am already got suds and wet, you know, want me to wash your car too? Or, or maybe, you know what, your kids have grown up and you've got their old toys and their old clothes. You can give them to somebody. I mean, it is just those kind of simple little acts of kindness. Listen to me. Your acts of kindness build a bridge to somebody that Jesus Christ can walk across. Let me say that again. Your acts of kindness build a bridge that Jesus can walk across to their heart. So Jesus wants us to share acts of kindness. And it's one of the most effective evangelistic tools that we have as Christians. Demonstrate acts of kindness to people around us. Several years back, there was a pastor, Pastor Steve Sorgan, who wrote this book, Conspiracy of Kindness. They were starting a new church in Cincinnati, and they decided that the only outreach that they would do in the community were just random acts of kindness in Jesus' name. That's all they did. And within several years, the church was running over 3,000. That's about the size of Silverdale. And you go, well, how did that happen? Well, it was just what Jesus said. People are impacted by acts of kindness. He gave one example of it. He said there was a a man, Joe Delaney, and his eight-year-old son, Jared. They were in their backyard one day, and they were just, you know, throwing the baseball back and forth to each other. And um, the eight-year-old boy, Jared, asked his dad, Dad, is there a God? And um, basically, Joe said, Well, son, I'm not the best person qualified to answer that because I only went to church a couple of times as a kid. And so the boy dropped his glove and ran inside. They'd been to the circus a few days earlier, and he came out with this balloon, this helium balloon, and he had a piece of paper in his little elementary scribble. He wrote this little prayer, Dear God, if you are real, if you're there, send people who know you to Dad and me. And he attached it to that balloon, and he just released it. Well, two days later... Joe and his son, Jared, were driving down the road, and they noticed these kids that were doing a car wash where their car was dirty, and they just pull in. And he asked, how much? And this teenager said, it's free. Our church just decided that we're gonna wash cars for free today. And he goes, really? And he goes, are y'all Christians? Yeah, we are. Are you the kind of Christians that believe that God is real? Yeah, we are, and he goes, you may be an answer to a prayer. And Joe and his whole family went to that church within a few weeks, came to faith in Jesus Christ, all because of teenagers deciding they're gonna wash cars for free. Did you see that? That's what God does. God takes our simple little acts of kindness and he builds a bridge to people's hearts. You are the salt of the earth. If this world is rotting, it's on us. You're the light of the world. Find that place of service. Do those acts of kindness and watch Jesus use you to impact eternity. Now, let me tell you how we're gonna respond today. It's really simple. We're gonna light candles, okay? And I hope all of you, whenever you came in, you grabbed a candle. If you didn't, they're still at the door and you can still grab these while we're doing this, okay? And um, let me explain what we're gonna do. You see, um, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. His light is shining in this dark world. And then Christ's light shines in us. And then we shine our lights to people that are around us. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now go light your world. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing love and your grace. We thank you that your light shines in us. We're gonna choose to shine that light in this dark world. Lord, change this city, change families, change lives through the light of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.